It's time to switch on the computer and let's get computing. They're attracted to dank places. To test, test, test. Hello. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Bankness. I am Dan Sickles. And I am Jason Bailey, a.k.a. Artno. And we are hosting some of the best minds in the cryptosphere for a conversation about their work, their life, and digging into a bit of the mythology surrounding the entire space. So we realized that a lot of the interviews with the best-known folks in crypto art uh, really cover kind of the same territory. I know from being on the receiving end of those interviews that I often find myself giving the same answers. And as much as I love uh, the artists in the space, sometimes we sort of see the same uh, answers in interview after interview. So we wanted to do something that was a little bit more relaxed and laid back and kind of get to know these artists more as humans and, you know, what's their everyday life like. So we created the dankness um, just really as an opportunity to have sort of these low key conversations and remind everybody that artists are people, too. And just to get to know a little bit more about how their lives are going. So. For our first episode, I'm super, super excited for, for our guest. Um, it's somebody that I haven't had a chance to actually film with yet. I haven't, I haven't had them in my studio um, with the cameras, but you know, bringing them into the studio for the dankness. Uh, we're having Josie Bellini on today. Yes, yes, children. Josie Bellini will be joining us for today's episode of The Dankness. Let's get to it. We give you the dankness, 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 things first we have this segment that we've created called show and tell uh this is where each of us uh i choose something jason chooses something uh relevant to the cryptosphere or not just to share that that sort of happened in the past week i'm gonna go first uh for for show and tell this week um just you know very very personal um i'm i'm a dad i'm a new dad so i'm gonna be that guy uh for our first episode and just let you all know that but um my daughter she Thank you, thank you. Uh, she just turned three months old. This is, this is uh, uh, only a few days ago, and you know it's exactly. It was it was a very it was a huge celebration because our house is is still standing. It it, it hasn't been burnt down, um, and you know it's it's whatever. It's a crazy adventure to to be raising a child in 2022. I, I you know I will say, you know, working on this film, working in this space, it's definitely like brought a a new depth to you know my ambition for my work here um must be a fairly heady experience in figuring out you know like what 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 this means for for really like the next generation or could potentially mean for the next generation um i was that 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 nerd in the hospital in the delivery room (laughs) figuring out uh you know how to get a hold of her ens name as soon as she was born um you know so i you know 
this space is is definitely uh, a part of her life. Um, and you know, I, I've also started a mini collection for her art gnome. Uh, I'm sure you'd, you'd be happy to know, um, which anybody can check out. Her 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 wallet is actually Telma. It's Telma.eth. Um, and she, she has a pretty cool collection. There's a, a little Sarah Zucker piece in there, Claire Silver. We have Tom Sachs. Um, yeah, it's, that's it's, right, it's, baby. it's lining up. Yeah, so that, that's my show and tell for now. Just wanted to talk about my daughter, Telma. Um, she's probably going to be coming up, you know, so many times in, in various ways uh, throughout our conversations at the Dankness. Um, yeah. I love it. When can we, when can we have her on as a guest, Dan? <laughs> you know, she's, she's in like babbling mode right now. I love, I've been, I've been in babbling mode for 44 years. So, you know, that's no, <laughs> no reason to hold back. Oh. I also love that she has her own collection. So my, uh, when my best friend had his first child, I guess three or four years ago now, um, I gave her a rare Pepe actually, uh, like one oh, of the original nice. rare Pepe's. And he was like, what the heck is this? And, you know, I think it's gone up like 100x in value or something like that. It's a series one. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like legit going to help with the college fund, I think, at some time in the future. So (laughs) people should buy their children. We definitely encourage people buying their children and other people's children um, and uh, NFTs for sure. I I actually don't have kids. Um, We have a dog, which is our reminder that uh, we're not really qualified to have kids because we can sort of hardly take care of the dog particularly this week with my my wife away um, she's on a cruise so I'm trying to um, to to feed myself and you know do all these basic things that I'm super lucky to have her for but uh yeah also working you know on um a super super cool new tool for nft collectors um that my team over at club nft have been cranking on for months and months and i think months. i've seen you teasing this for for the past few yeah for the past few months actually yeah yeah so i you know it, what it goes back to you know i was thinking about like what is it that we've lost um in the crypto art space maybe in the last five or six years sure we've gained a lot but like i think there was sort of that that true spirit in the early days of like building platforms that really encouraged uh, this idea of supporting more artists and, and more collectors. And the irony is sort of as more and more marketplaces have come out, more and more blockchains and more and more artists, I found it harder. Like I'm, I'm glad there's more people in the space, but I found it harder to find um, the work that I love and particularly like new artists that I think are great. So we kind of talked to a bunch of different collectors and artists and just asked them like, how is it that you find artists, you know, like the next artist that you want to collect, like artists that you're going to love? And they all basically said the same thing. You know, I go and look at the the artists and collectors that I respect and I look at their collections and I try to figure out who have they collected that I haven't collected yet, right? So being like the the son of an engineer, you know, my brain was like, wait, we could probably automate that and like augment it and expand it a thousand times. And like, so basically we look at your collection we go a level deep and we look at everyone else who collects the same artists you collect. And then we figure out who do they collect that you don't collect yet. And we put it in front of you. Right. So maybe it sounds a little confusing, but what's awesome about it is it really, we, I've been using like low key, the beta version for months and it's dramatically expanding the number of artists that I collect. Right. It's showing me, you know, giving strong preference to people that I haven't collected yet. So I'm writing this essay that kind of gets at the question, like, 
could an algorithm actually, you know, in an interface, actually help the entire space when it comes to actually collecting a, from a broader group of artists? So instead of going after, you know, that star system where a very small number of artists make a ton of money, but like no one else can crack in, can we reinforce like good behavior, good collecting behavior so that we don't just end up recreating the old art market where it's like, 12 dudes make like millions and millions of dollars and everyone else kind of gives up because there's just no market there. To that note, <clears throat> uh, you know, sort of avoiding, avoiding the 12 dudes sort of sitting at the top of that, you know, pyramid um, sort of on that very, very small ledge. Like, I guess I, I wonder whenever I hear sort of like, oh, we're going to sort of help automate the like you figuring out what your preferences are or what you like about this space I, I sort of immediately am like okay cool what what is this group sort of doing to sort of attack its potential blind spots in what those offerings look like right like how do we make sure that like this algorithm then isn't isn't sort of then creating a slightly different looking pyramid yeah no it's an awesome question so most algorithms kind of shoehorn everybody into sort of the same behavior right, right. we know that so the challenge was, can we specifically create an algorithm that is going to expand um, uh, who people are collecting? So, you know, if I'm collecting, let's say, I think I collect something like, you know, 100 to 200 different artists so far, like to date, right? And it's actually, it's part of my goal. I'm not even sure that it's part of everyone else's goal, but it's part of my goal to try to have some breadth to who I collect because... The new artists are the ones that I think need the most support. Like, love X copy and folks like that. X doesn't need me to buy another NFT. X is going to be just fine, right? Um, but, you know, some of these other artists that are just getting started, you know, if I can't find them, I can't collect them, right? So right. if you think about an algorithm that um, is largely showing you artists that you haven't collected yet, if everybody's using that, they're expanding sort of horizontally um, the number of artists that they're supporting. And the other aspect that I like is it kind of gives you some filters so you can find um, uh, artwork that not only that you'll love, right, but that it'll be in your price range. Because I know in this sort of down market, like a lot of people that were maybe buying, like spending 5, 10, 15K on an artwork or whatever, that doesn't really like, unless you're super rich, like you can't do that on a regular sustainable basis, right? I'm someone who wants to collect like near daily for like 10, 15 bucks, right? And support a broad group of artists. So yeah, we'll see, you know, to be mm. clear. But I think at the core, the, the idea that any algorithm that naturally gets you outside of your comfort zone and sort of diversifies sure. the number of artists you're collecting, I'm optimistic that, that it could actually help sort of break this, uh, this follow the leader log jam, right? Like, I guess exactly. what, what I've seen in, in this space is that particularly for people that don't have a, a background in art that come in, it just feels safe to buy the artists that everyone else is already buying, right? So, and unless you find a way to break that inertia, um, and give people some confidence and kind of spread out, you know, um, onto who they might support, then I think we'll continue, we'll only sure. continue to see that, right? Yeah, I think it's sort of like, um, buy, the, buy this now, figure out why later, <laughs> you know, for, for a lot of people entering the space. It's like, these, these are the names, this is what you want. Figure out what generative art is maybe after you've made the purchase. But the price is going up, 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 so like, get it now, right? Um, at, at, which, is, which is different than sort of like, how, how do we sort of support people's taste, uh, evolving um, and sort of like aligning with with maybe what it is that they actually want in in art if they're approaching uh, the, these objects uh, that, this that is way. art 
And yeah, and if we can build, look, if we can build confidence in people that the only thing that needs to happen for you to collect an artwork is you have to fall in love with the, the art, right? And, and want to see that artist do well. There's not like a, a magic book where people are going to look at, um, you You know, you bought this lesser known artist and they're going to wave their finger and be like, what are you doing? You know, like the literally the only box that has to be checked to enjoy yourself as a collector is to fall in love with the artwork and, you know, and I would say fall in love with the artist to some degree too and want to see them, you know, be successful. And, and if we can help give people some of that confidence or, you know, um, mm. make it more efficient for collectors to find art that they love that they can afford, um, you know, that feels good to me anyway, you know? Yeah, no, the confidence aspect, I think, is actually something that's way overlooked when it comes to, uh, the, from, from the collector's experience. Um, just, you know, feeling like you are making a good decision uh, is, is actually so important and is, and is even... It's a bit more abstracted, I think, in this space, the way that it operates. You know what, really. it, re- you know what it reminds me of, and I'm curious um, what your thoughts are, because I think I'm uh, a bit older, but in high school, I think about, like, the music discovery process, right? Like, so, you know, if I went to, like, and I'm really dating myself, to, like, a Tower Records or whatever, there were, like, five bestseller albums, like, when you first walked in, right? And if the store was, like, just that life's pretty boring. We're all literally just buying like whatever is most popular, right? And, you know, look, wisdom of the crowds is useful. Like knowing that something's popular is a pretty good heuristic sometimes. Sometimes it means it's interesting and you should check it out. But the fun is like going through all the different, you know, CDs and the weird discount section and this, that, and the other. And then maybe an extension of that for me, and I want to hear how you discovered new music too, but for me, there was always like that super cool kid that was like, you know, would would make you like a mixtape or like of all these bands that you had never heard of before, right? And that's what we're trying to emulate with, with our tool. It's like we're looking at all the people that you respect we're figuring out who they're quote unquote listening to or collecting or looking at. And then we're putting that in front of you without taking away the collecting experience, just upping sort of the signal and reducing the noise. But yeah, how, how did you find, you know, new, new music and new art, Dan, when, how did young Dan find yeah, new No, music I mean, this art? is a, it's a very relevant question. Cause I mean, the answer is also I got some shit in this conversation dick. with us. Um, it's so you know, like I, so I, like I, I, I grew up in sort of like a pretty, um, I like there, there was there was certain art that was appreciated, but music was definitely not one of them. Um, I, my dad was in love with Carly Simon, and that's basically all that I knew uh, uh, from from what they liked, you know. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's from knowing Stella from from like six years old on <laughs> um exactly um you know and and his love of music and literally like the experiences that you're talking about where like you know as soon as we had a driver's permit that's that's all that we were doing was just driving around in, in my car like listening to you know these these sort of like fringy tracks um and for me, I mean, like, it, it was really actually, it was having that person next to me, too, to sort of also help, like, content, like, Bjork is somebody that, like, I, I would have never, ever heard otherwise. I mean, I think the way that I probably encountered her really was through, like, her wearing that swan dress uh, during the Academy Awards and being made fun of on SNL. Would have never actually understood the depth and the brilliance of her artistry had it not been for, you know, like an experience with Stella in a car being like, oh, this is, this is actually what this artist is doing, right? 
Um, this is art. And it does take it does take that 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 confidence. It does take that that assurance. Um, and it sounds like like literally you've you've sort of broken down that process into the the platform that you're building now, which is which is brilliant. I mean, honestly, like every every time that you are posting the things that you find through this tool, like I and yeah. I, I've, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't wait to actually get my hands on it because I don't, I don't really know who Infinite I don't know. Infinite possibilities. And that's been, that's been sort of my job the past 16 months is to sort of try and figure out what I don't know, sort of storytelling wise and narrative wise when it comes to this space, but definitely when it comes to collecting, um, I'm, I'm super for sure. excited. Yeah, I mean, it's the most fun part for for us music and art nerds, right, is to try to find the sort of the, the esoteric deep cuts or to find someone that's undervalued and start sharing that person with everyone else, right? It's it's communal. Like art collecting is is totally social and communal, right? And without that, you know, it's just it's just not as fun. You know, the other analogy I use sometimes again for some reason music analogies seem to work a little better is like when I I love records, right? And if I go into like a used record store, um, and there's like records all over the place. If like the first 100 records I look at are all like, you know, stuff that I'm really not that into, maybe it's like a Salvation Army and like, it's all like novelty fifties records, which I like, but like, that's not all I want to look at. Right. Then I'm kind of like, eh, so I need like a hit rate where like for every 50 or 60 records I look at, like I discover a gem or something really exciting pops out. Right. And I want to find and discover and see entirely new genres and things that I didn't even know existed out there, right? But if it's just, like, Dang. a bunch of boring stuff, I give up and leave the store, right? So what we're trying to do is, like, increase the number of cool discoveries without taking away the that adventure of going through yourself and trying to figure out, like, I like this, I don't like that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Hopefully, like, an awesome outcome would be if people, instead of buying like a, um, a $100,000 PFP and like flexing that to show like, hey, look how much money I have and like how much I understand what's popular. If people started flexing like their collector diversity score, if they were like, hey, I've supported like 3,000 artists, like collected 3,000 different artists oh, or whatever, man. like, you know, if that was the new flex... I think we could do worse. Like that would be that's kind yeah. of a, a rad direction to go, right? Where do we? Where's the the most efficient place to like look for updates as to you know when people can test this out for themselves? Sure. Yeah, I think just clubnft.com. Um, by the time this launches, the tool's called Pathfinder, um, and folks can use that to discover new artists. Feedback is always welcome. I mean, people know I live on uh, Twitter, and our goal really is to build a tool that helps people discover things and really broadens um, the, the number of artists collected. We don't make any money off of this tool, uh, just like our other tools. So, you know, the, the goal is truly just to get uh, to build something that people love that helps artists and helps collectors. Brilliant. Thank you, Jason, for sharing that today. Yeah, you, you made a baby and I made a tool. <laughs> that doorbell from Stella, you know what that means. The dank. It means that it is time to move on to our guest for today's episode, Ms. Josie Bellini. As we get settled for that, though, a quick pre-roll. In a world where digital art has been historically undervalued, one film is here to set the record straight. 
featuring over 100 artists, collectors, and developers, each an important voice in the NFT community, partially funded with the cutest NFT project you've ever seen, Depop Studios presents I'm New Here. Learn more and mint your newbie today at newhere.xyz. back to the dankness for our first episode we have a very very special guest somebody that you know i i'm i'm very excited to chat with haven't really spoken to uh yet in in this sort of context josie bellini and you know josie josie for anyone who doesn't know is is one of the most well-respected thinkers in crypto working today she's a multidisciplinary artist based in chicago and a lot of the early Ethereum projects uh, really include or are attached to Josie's name, or Josie was a part of all of these early projects. She was, she was there then, um, is, is sort of how I've come to know Josie before meeting her. Um, she's been minting work since 2017 and really just been involved in the over, overall crypto landscape prior. Um, her style as an artist is immediately recognizable uh, and includes many crypto tropes and themes which resonate deeply with the community. Her Bitcoin gas mask uh, is a Bellini trademark and appears in works such as Filter, Onward, and Yours Truly. Uh, her website, josie.io, that's J-O-S-I-E dot I-O, uh, is a really good way to check out her digital and physical artworks and get plugged into what she's up to, which is a lot. Uh, Josie has a background in traditional finance, an experience we can all assume, since she's here speaking with us today, uh, has propelled her away from it and into the world of coding, cryptocurrency, and NFTs. Uh, some other really notable works that everybody should be checking out that's listening to this, uh, some works that I, I love include Genesis, Out of Many, One, and of course, her incredible metaverse project, which is consistently uh, and continually expanding into who knows where, cyber brokers. Uh, Art Gnome, I, I believe you, you've known Josie for quite a bit. The two of you probably go way back. Yeah, so uh, Josie, I've been aware of Josie and, and the Bitcoin um, gas mask for, for many years. Uh, Josie kind of, for me, comes from that group of artists that actually um, we're, we're sort of crypto first. Like these days, if you see someone selling NFTs, you can't really make any kind of assumption that they have any understanding or interest, to be honest, whatsoever in the blockchain or in crypto. But Josie um, is, is part of that early wave of artists who actually um, were really into, from, from my perspective, really into sort of the, the crypto and blockchain and decentralization and sort of the community and the principles but also happened to be an artist um, and found ways to kind of bring those things together. 
And it's actually kind of rare these days that you see people that use art as a way to spread the word um, about sort of decentralized finance. But that was a, a big part of it early on. You know, people were thinking that, you know, uh, we want to get the word out about sort of the, the benefits of cryptocurrencies and art sort of DeFi. And these things were confusing to most people, right? Let's just be honest. You start talking about blockchain and to somebody that doesn't understand it and their eyes kind of glaze over. So there was a need for people to actually make it easier for people to understand and to be excited about it and to make it sort of sexy that. and engaging. And I think uh, Josie and a, a lot of artists of that generation that kind of came in um, really accomplished a bunch of that. So, yeah, we met. I don't know, Josie. Um, what Do you remember when it is we met? I know I was for sure on your podcast, but maybe yeah, take were, us back. You were, you were on behind are the you? art. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Also, that was an insane introduction. So thank you, Dan and Jason and Stella for your contributions there. Um, that was a really good introduction, so thank you. Um, but yeah, no, Jason, I knew of you before. Obviously, you came on behind the art, but I had you on on that on that podcast a while back, um, which was really fun. But I'm trying to think of when I first. A, a lot of the reason why I was really interested in you and following you is because you were one of the loudest voices that I saw that was really being um, like shouting from the rooftops about artists, um, about the people out there and um, going deeper and asking, like putting putting statements out there about the meaning or how special these works are or being yeah, a really, really art, early like participator in the art platforms and really like celebrating the art for the art, um, which I was really interested in, in you because I saw that from you and it wasn't really... Um, some of the other folks that were doing, thinking they were doing that were more of trying to like put their finger on like being the curator and deciding what was going to be expensive in the space and what wasn't going to be. Mm. And I've always felt like that real authenticity from you um, and kind of the like a little bit of the fuck you attitude, like not really caring what other people think about you, which I really respect. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know exactly when we first had our like, intro to each other obviously we talked deeply most on behind the art but i had always been a follower and fan of of just you as a, a person and what you put out there to hop in with like a, a bit of a question i guess it's like you're you're right i feel like in in terms of how i've been learning the space i think jason has been somebody who as soon as he came into it was like hey crypto art capital c a right mm -hmm. um i wonder for yourself you know obviously being so being around so early and understanding like the necessity to evangelize the space right um to to not only sort of like mythologize the 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 logos of the actual currencies but also to like within the actual art sort of like spread the message of whether it be decentralized decentralized finance or whatever it is self-sovereignty um I'm wondering if, if for you, like you initially saw the work that you were doing and putting on chain as, as art, as propaganda, as evangelizing, sort of how you classified it for yourself early on and, and sort of how that may have changed. Yeah, so I've always been a really big fan of street art and, and um, I think that also was a big like inspiration and like a big thing that I look towards in every piece that I created because street art for me, um, I mean, I grew up in a lot of areas where there was a ton of graffiti and um, 
and some that was thoughtfully done and some that was not so thoughtfully done. Um, But I I became a big fan of, I'm not going to pretend that I know like a ton about all the famous street artists out there. I don't, but I became a fan of, you know, the Shepherd Fairy and and like all all of these people and what like they were um, portraying in their art. And it it was really special to me that it it meant something, even Mm -hmm. if it was simple lines or just like a phrase with something crossed through it, like, I was really attached to, okay, you don't have to be the most talented, artistic going to art school. Like, I didn't go to art school. You don't have to have all of these, like, oh, no, you can never use black paint. You have to mix it with all these things. Like, just put out a message. And, like, if other people connect with that, you have something in common and you have that bond that's, like, displayed through this artwork. And and so that's where I was coming from. And when I created my very first piece, Genesis, of crypto art, like I wasn't making it to make a statement. It was it was something that um, I made for my house with with me and my boyfriend and some other folks that we call ourselves the Crypto Castle, like because we we were like so obsessed with crypto and doing meet hosting meetups in Chicago and all this stuff. But like I made it like for us to have it in our house, and that was it. But really, as I started creating more and, like, realized the community wanted and needed it and, like, it represented their journey as well, I definitely, it was important for me to put a message in all of my works or else there was nothing to be inspired by. Like, I never wanted to just create a painting of a girl with a something background. Like, I had to be inspired to create the piece. So I don't right. know if that answers it. Art it is. No, it does. I mean, it makes sense because it seems like you also you also came into this space. I, I imagine um, a particularly charged with a with a, a yeah. deep understanding what? of why you were here, right? Yeah, so, and I yeah. wouldn't say at the beginning I wouldn't necessarily say it was it was as deep as it got because. I was, when I started going to meetups in Chicago, so I got into crypto just by starting to slowly invest and, and hating the, the industry that I worked in, in finance. I was um, not an accredited investor, so I couldn't invest in these things that um, I was investing in for other people, even though I knew way more about them than any, than any of them did, you know, and we just told them what was going in their portfolio, if we even told them. But because I, I didn't have... I wasn't an accredited investor. I didn't have a minimum net worth of a million dollars. Like I couldn't do participate in those things myself. So that for me, I started when I came back, crypto came back in my life at that moment because I knew about it previously, but hadn't taken action on it. It came back in my life at that moment. And I started doing small investments with, you know, anything I had, like I, it was very, very small amounts, but that like sparked my obsession and Mm. deeply learning and reading. It was the first time I had ever invested in my life, right? So deeply learning and reading everything I could about it and then going to these meetups and like I'm telling you guys, the meetups, like the Bitcoin meetups that I was going to, like I was so like far removed from anything. They were like freaking brilliant nerd, like doing mining in their backyards, (laughs) like biohackers with actual chips inside of them that you could scan, like totally like 100% anonymous in some cases, like wouldn't, I I wasn't sure who I could talk to or who I couldn't talk to. Like the scene was very, very different. So I felt really like out of place, but in a good way, like it still felt Mm. like a community. So that's what, like, I wouldn't say I had like this deep understanding. It took me a while to really like absorb from them why this was so important to them. And then I started to like adopt that myself and really understand it after, after some time. 
Yeah. Important to note that it, it does take that time, I guess, for sure. Like, no, no matter how much you may feel like you grasp it initially, like, there there's yeah. always that process of, of learning and unlearning that, I mean, I still feel very much in, like, chapter two of. Total um, Classic noob. You know, you've worked, you know, in terms of your art, like, you've worked in so many different ways. Um, and, and you've minted on so many different platforms. Um, and, you know, recently, I guess it's, it's probably a bit over a year old now, Cyber Brokers. Last, um, we launched in March. Well, what, from launch date. We started launch much, date. we launched, we started a long time ago. Right, it was yeah. something you had been working on for a while. I, you know, I, and, and, it was, and it was launched as a metaverse project. You're also somebody who, again, I, I guess that sort of the first mentions of you came up when I was doing interviews in Paris with, uh, you know, Pascal Boyard, again, like another a graffiti a street artist yeah. who was using crypto as a means to continue making street art. Um, but also Benoit from, from Museum of Crypto Art talking about like early crypto voxels days. Uh, and I remember he like paints this picture of arriving and it's kind of like this barren metaverse wasteland <laughs> and he's just like walking through it and you're one of the first people that he sees. Um, so I think this question is sort of like coming, coming to maybe the person who, who might know it best in a lot of ways, but I wonder sort of what, what this metaverse idea um, means, trend means sort of to you right now. And maybe trend is actually the wrong word, but what, what, what is it? Does it already exist? Um, are we already in it? Yeah, so I think I think it's such a it's so cool and there's so much to unpack there. Um coming back to the crypto voxels thing and then we'll go deeper into this, but it was my real first feeling of what the metaverse was going to be without knowing that yet. So I met Jin um at a conference at the first NFT MIC. Thank VR for everyone yes, listening. Thank VR. He's awesome. A genius. Um I met him at the first NFT MIC. And he introduced, so he, I've told this story before, but it's cool and I love him and I'm going to tell it again. But he, um, I, I was going to all these, con by the way, Pascal, he invited me to, him and Marguerite invited me to a show in Paris in 2018 for Bitcoin's 10th birthday that we did together. And I got wow. to meet Pascal in person and it was just so cool. But anyways. Yeah, Pascal's oh, very nice. Yeah, he's so cool. So the reason why that makes sense here is I had met Marguerite the first time at a conference in Chicago in 2018 in August that I had helped put on. I had helped host, did all the design work for because I was like, I want to work in crypto. Let me do anything I possibly can to work in this sphere. So I was doing design work and website stuff for all these different companies. So I was working on this conference and I said to them, I said, can I show some art here? Like, you know, I helped put it all on. Can I show some art? And there was no, like, art Art at conferences was never a thing. Like, that's not a thing. Like, it's the opposite. Like, people are like, eh, we'll put you in the hallway. Or the Bailey knows pretty well, no. I'm sure. Yeah, so I, like, that was, like, the first conference I did, and I met Marguerite, and she invited me to that show in Paris. But the reason why that's important is that even the very first NFT conference in New York did not have art at it. There was one, there was uh, <gasps> one other booth. Um, which was like a little table. And then there was, I had to, I asked, I said, hey, can I just, can I just have one little table? Doesn't matter where it is. I'm going to just set up some art there. And they said, yes. And they're like, awesome, great. And so like I got there and they're like, oh, I don't, we're, we're not sure where we're going to put you. And it worked out perfectly because I was in this little hallway where all the speakers were walking through. But anyways, it ended up being great. And I had this art set up at a table um, and um, 
Dang. The gin came to my table. He didn't talk to me at first, and he just had his iPad, and he's, like, scanning my table. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, uh, and it's when Additional additional had just launched. Um, they were, they were like, taking pictures of stuff and minting NFTs of, like, pictures of water bottles and, like, of my booth and, like, For all this free, stuff. For free, right? So, yeah, yeah, and so I thought, okay, this must be what this guy's doing. So I asked him, like, what are you doing? Like, he's, like, getting in every crevice of my table. And then he's, like, I'm scanning it into, like, a 3D model. I was, like, what? Like, what are you talking about? So I look at his iPad, and he shows me this, like, table and my art being scanned into a, th like, 3D form on his iPad. And he's like, yeah, let me oh, show you. Man. I scan these alleyways and I scan, and like a ton of like graffiti and like art. I scan all of these alleyways and these um, statues and I like go to museums and I scan all this stuff and then I bring it into the metaverse and I um, bring it into these virtual spaces and set them all up and like combine all of these different assets together. And I was internet. like, what? can you show me? And he starts showing me and then he starts telling me, he said, well, there's this world, you should check it out, called CryptoVoxels, it's brand new. Um, would love future. to help you get into it. And this is when CryptoVoxels was brand new. There was no color in CryptoVoxels. Right. No miniature, no like, you know, I can load the mega voxels now, no wearables, no, there was nothing. No water, right, I think? Yeah, there, oh, there, there was nothing. Yeah. There was literally a black and, a white box with a black outline. That was it. And so, um, and, and, you know, and Josie Bellini's like that. right on. <laughs> it was so cool. Well, no, I, I early on I told Ben I was like, we need color in this world, and Jin and Ben were like, no, that's the beauty about this world. It's black and white. Like, and I was like, guys, no, like we need color. You can have an area that's black and white, but we need color. And they were like really upset about that. But like, they they he Ben to his credit took a lot of feedback in those early days and helped make it what it is. This but is Ben Nolan, too, yes. for people listening, the, yes, the creator of CryptoVoxels. And so, um, Dang, or Dang Beer, uh, Jin sold me a parcel right next to him um, in the Maker's District, um, right right next to him, where, where we were neighbors. That was my first piece. And then um, I stuck around and I kept building and I met the most amazing people um, artists in there while it was still so small and I'm still friends with they're helping me moderate my discord like they're freaking fantastic people um, it was such such a cool um, start and I, and I stayed in there for a while and created some of the very first wearables um, did uh, you know a lot of a lot of really fun stuff in there and I'm super fond of all the things that happened but sorry I got sidetracked the whole reason why I wanted to bring that up is Jin was really the first person who introduced me to this extra layer. He introduced me to VR chat, to like all these virtual spaces. Um, and he expanded my mind. At It was funny because at that first NFT NYC when I met him and he told me about CryptoVoxels, I was like, I'm going to do a virtual gallery. I was like, I'm going to be the first one. Like, I'm going to make a, an art gallery in CryptoVoxels. And like, it hadn't been done before in CryptoVoxels. And like, 
And and I was so convinced, like, this is going to, I'm going to be the first one to do this. And he was like, yeah, good idea. Let's do it. I'll help you. And then, like, that's literally what CryptoVoxels is now. I'm not saying I started that at all, but I thought it was such a unique idea. And it was never done before. And I was going to do it with gin and, like, all this stuff. And, like, it was such a no-brainer now looking back at it. Um, but he opened my world, like, so much bigger. And now, for me, the metaverse... Well, it's I guess about, I, can, oh, I conflated ahead. the I conflated the question. I guess, I feel like we we should we should maybe pause yeah. there too okay, because sorry. like these no it's it's me um, because like these spaces too like the, you know That's the ones cool. that you build with Jin and and you know Stella Bell Coldy there there are a few others I mean like these spaces within the metaverse uh, virtual um, ended up becoming some of the very first meeting places for some of the very first artists who were working in blockchain art this right? ground is like can, no can, ground yeah I've can you just before. tell us a bit about about what those events were like what those moments were like um you know were there thousands of people like at you know like waiting in line to get into a crypto voxel spot like no no definitely not um <laughs> there were not thousands of people but you know who actually i give a lot of credit to to making crypto voxel meetups really cool um, is Rizzle and Matt. And Matt. Um, yeah, they did Rizzle a too. really good job with a WIP meetup. I walked into that one day when I was going around CryptoVox building in Frankfurt, uh, and I was like, what are you guys doing? There were like eight people like in one area, and that was a lot. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what's going on? And That's then cool. um, Matt was like, Matthew was like, oh, Josie, nice, like, we're having a meetup, like, do you want to do a little impromptu presentation? I was like, okay, and, like, and, like, it was so cool, because I didn't know what was going on, but, like, he really started doing, like, some cool gathering there, and then, actually, Conlin, who once um, a certain district opened up, and he started um, commissioning a lot of money to do builds, um, the Rose, I forget what it's called, some really yeah, cool builds. A lot of money's buildings are still there. And so yeah. It's still some oh, of the yeah. Of course. Greatest buildings in voxels. Yeah. yeah. So he started getting commissioned to do stuff, and like people started flooding in, and that is what made it started making it really, really special. Before then, it was a lot of like experimentation because in the beginning, you have to imagine um, you couldn't use image. Like there was no image upload or NFT linking yet. So, like, it was a lot of us that were just trying to experiment. And, like, it was a lot of devs that, like, came in and did stuff. And then the rest of us were just using Magic of Oxel, trying to, like, patch stuff together and, like, mock it up. So there wasn't, like, the real big burst of, like, NFT stuff until Ben Nolan created that function. And then it was a lot easier. But once that he did open that up, the world blew up quickly with, like, all of those people that you were naming and more and made it really special. Even still, I mean, I will tell you the first whip meetup that I accidentally walked into, like I said, it was like eight people. And then it still happens started, today too. Yeah, for for anyone happens. interested, the whip is still happening. Rizzle is still running it. It's still yeah. outrageous. Um, it's so cool. At it's the end, they take a group photo yeah. and it's really, really fun. So definitely encourage people to check that out. Yeah. They started getting really big. And then like the amphitheater with Jimmy and, and um, NFT 42, like they did the amphitheater and it started getting huge and like doing all these presentations. And like, it was, I, I can, 
I can, I'm starting to remember like all these people that came in, but it started growing a lot. Um, and, and some people were trying to do cross stuff. We, we were trying to get Maddie DCL to like come in crypto voxels and give us a chance. And we were trying to get our people to give Decentraland a chance. So like it was a lot of those really, it's fun thinking back of like how everything was kind of separated and really tribal. And then we tried to sort of mend that a little bit and get headquarters in each spot and things and like that. And from that like experiential moment of just like, okay, like I'm hopping in this and I'm just like playing around and like meeting these people very organically, walking by, there's a weird wit meetup and you're like, okay, cool, I'll come to this thing. To uh, sort of this experience, I guess, becoming some sort of packaged word that then becomes like a major trend of 2021. I mean, I guess I don't, I don't know a more popular word um, uttered in the past like 16 months. Yeah, what does that mean for, for you? Yeah, so I started learning what, at first when I first heard the metaverse, I thought it meant um, virtual worlds. Like that's what I thought it meant. Um, but as I saw this space grow and saw how people interacted with these experiences or created their own or whatever it was, I started to really understand what like the definition of metaverse was um, and that it was so much bigger than all of these things and that like to to ride off the hype of that word experience like it really is the experiential layer of the internet right so it's it's much bigger than virtual worlds it involves a lot of different things right it involves um yeah, the journey, the journey into the future. <laughs> Stella, I love that. That was a good timing. But it, it really does involve so much more than that. Um, and so I started to learn that through my process with working in crypto voxels and expanding beyond that and really understanding um, how big this is actually going to be and how much that the metaverse, whether people know it or not, is going to touch every aspect of their lives, in my opinion, moving forward. Mm. Bailey, I feel like I don't hear you. I feel like I hear I don't hear Art Gnome talk too much about metaverse <laughs> and your metaverse experience. Yeah, I wonder. So, and you and I haven't really sort of spoken on on this too much. Yeah, like, I'm, I, I'm like a grumpy old man on the metaverse. But first, I have to say, um, I kind of I love the organic and nerdy nature of Josie's entry into sort of this space. And I, I honestly think like that's part of what's Not missing. Like you know when it was more like a do-it-yourself kind of a thing where, like, you know, we were sort of inventing the space as we were going along, you know, like, Jin coming in and scanning you and, like, just everyone being kind of open to there not being, like, a blueprint. And I remember that, uh, you know, when, when crypto arts first started emerging, like, my friends from the traditional art world were like, oh, well, this probably isn't going to last. They were, like, trying to time the death of it, right? And I think that it's so cool that you were influenced by street artists. People think of like propaganda as a negative thing, but my response to these people that were like, oh, well, this will die. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is like street art or hip hop or any of these things where it's from the ground up. You don't, you don't get to decide as an art critic like when this is going to start or when it's going to end. It's a, a community driven by a shared set of principles, right, that are experimenting and like building out all of this new culture. And it was super nerdy and organic. So I just I, I love the way that you tell that story. And I'm going to ask, I'll, I'll answer your metaverse question, but I do want to know um, if you feel like that's still possible, that sort of authentic, nerdy, um, do-it-yourself you know, experience is still possible in the space. Now, I'll throw another bomb on the fire on the metaverse side. So always turn it up. Yeah. So like, you know, 
I uh, I don't love the metaverse, right? So I keep going back to the metaverse. You know, when uh, I'll, I'll let me throw two bombs on the fire. So w- when I was like a kid, uh, I grew up in a Mormon family, right? And like very heavily religious. And all the adults around me were like, "Isn't it amazing? We talk to God. Isn't like this such an amazing thing?" And I would go home and like like be like, "Oh, why aren't you talking to me, God? Jeez, Everyone's having down. these experiences that are so great." And it just wasn't there for me, right? Metaverse is kind of like that for me. Everyone around me, all the hip people, are like, "Metaverse is awesome." And then I go into the metaverse, and it's like crickets right and it's kind of like not a whole lot going on and i'm walking around and like running into walls and all of a sudden i'm flying i might just be like an old man or whatever but like the, okay uh, let's, uh, let's go josie yeah let's yeah let's... yeah i, I want to defend the metaverse what am i missing okay. so i i think i think you're we're still when you're talking about walking to walls and crickets i agree I think we're still like our the mindset is still only thinking about virtual worlds, and for me, it's a lot bigger than that. Um, so I think it's probably also just by definition, because like I go into VR chat and it's fucking weird. Like there are Bye. all these guys are dress are dresses anime girls, and or they hot hear dog. that I'm a yeah. They hear that I'm a girl, and they're like, "Wait, you're actually a girl?" And like it, it's it's totally weird, right? So. Yes, there's a weirdness. Also, I want to talk about your your Mormonness and where you are now with that because I grew up in a weird situation. I'm curious how that's affected you and your thoughts. But um, they're attracted. To yeah, I think for me, it's not just about virtual worlds, and it's about the excitement of like. So, okay. I don't know how to say it. I, I like obviously none of this is planned and I should have I'm happy to take a swing. Pitch, I love but, I love okay. metaverse. Yeah, but I, I do want to say that I wanna I want people to start thinking about it bigger than virtual spaces and think about how these things in the future could augment our experiences much further than walking around in a in an avatar. Like how it could, I, and some of this is like a t- huge question mark for me, but I think it's gonna augment how we travel, how we taste, how we hear, how we uh, interact with people on the other side of the world or right next to us. Like, I think that there is so much more than putting on a headset and going into a virtual space. And I think 99% of it has not been touched yet. So I'm not necessarily hyped and excited about where we are today. I'm really bullish and excited about where we're going to be in five years from now because I think this space is really moving really fast and like some of those things even with AI and how a lot of that like AI is moving so fast and how that content is going to create a lot of these experiences in some way. So I I do want to say that preface that I'm not like like hyped like today like this is it we're here there's so much further to go, but I'll let Dan jump in. Well, no, too. before we go to Dan, though, I'm going to push oh, a yeah. little bit more. So, I mean, maybe okay. you answered my other question, right? Because I think I asked, like, is there still a space where you can be authentic mm-hmm. and nerdy and organic? Are you kind of maybe saying that this awkwardness of the early metaverse is the next version oh. of the awkwardness of what NFTs were five years ago? A hundred percent. Like, that is where, like... I'm and and this is where I understood the power. So when we brought in the CryptoVoxels Discord or CryptoVoxels in the Cyberbrokers Discord, we brought um, a AI bot in there, and um, I and we 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 had a community member architect curate it to feel like Cyberbrokers art, um, the outputs. 
And we saw in that moment, we saw people who were not creators, not artists, would never tell, like, call themselves that in a million years, just have a dream, just have an idea of something that they were interested in. And they became a creator in that moment using text to image. And I know people like people shit on AI and all this stuff, but like it gave them this power and this feeling. And for me, that is going to be magnified like tremendously. Like right now we're doing text to image, but it's gonna be image to 3D. It's gonna be 3D to rigged. It's gonna be music. It's gonna be stories. It's gonna be all of those things. So like I saw people who don't know how to draw, who don't know how to write, who don't know how to do anything, have the power of being a creator. And that's where I think gets really exciting in these like nerdy areas. You get that little taste and you you start to run with that and you start to think outside of like, what are my skills and how can I make this better? So that's that's my answer to your thought. I, I, love, I love it. it. Yeah, yeah. No, so cool to hear you chat about it. And honestly, I mean like, like Bailey, I think like, when I, when I hear early voxel stories from people who were there early on, in terms of like the, the feeling, the excitement, the, the emotions that it sort of like engendered in the people who were there, it tracks with the Rare Pepe community, I think, extraordinarily well. Like, uh, again, sort of like this like sort of citizen art movement in a way. People like arriving at a spot that they don't quite exactly know what it is, but it's a Petri dish. And like everyone's here to figure it out and there's no pressure to get it right, you know. I saw um, I saw someone dressed, I think, a, like a banana or a hot dog, do a kickflip on a virtual skateboard in the metaverse on on Twitter, and that was the the first time I saw something that I was like, oh, like oh, there's people right, doing kickflips and banana suits. That's kind of cool. But I think on the art side, not to to belabor it, but like because I'm a bit of an art snob, uh, when I think about digital art. Like, it's already made on a screen, so the idea that I'm going to walk, like, a virtual mile in a virtual rainstorm underneath a virtual roof with a bunch of people, like, getting in the way of the art, like, seeing it at an angle and a smaller Art Gnome has no appreciation for virtual architecture. But so, what if, what if your, the architecture could come to you? What if you don't have to, what if you could experience it the way you want? What if you open up, you, you open up your phone or your scanner, you open up your computer, and there's an entire experience around you that you could experience by yourself, and you could set the parameters of this is the day of t- the time of day I want, this is the weather I want, this is the smell I want. Like I know that starts to get too futuristic, but like there's gonna be an experience, whatever experience that you want. In my opinion, that is going to be available. For and you. to your point, Josie, I would say that like like Art Gnome, we are already like half put in the metaverse like I mean like for me it's like when I'm driving in a place that I'm unfamiliar with I feel like I'm like actually looking at the directions on my phone looking at a digital representation of where I am physically and it's telling me where to go and I'm trusting it in the same way that like when I receive a Google notification that it's time to record an episode of the dankness I trust that Google knows what time it is and that it's time for me to click that link and hop in here and record right like and if somebody comments on on an Instagram post or, or a Twitter post and it's really hurtful that's going to that's going to affect me in a really weird way but that's not from that's not coming from peer to peer in the metaverse right if anything it's being like screamed through this filter of the metaverse that already exists it's just a largely unpleasant place right now and i think like yeah. places like voxels and you know like the these sort of more 3d immersive experiences are our efforts to make it more artistic and and more 
that experience. Do you guys think that it has to get more realistic to get better, or do you think it actually could get more pared down? So I look at like people, including me, when they're kind of bashing on the metaverse, or like, I don't know, like what, 15, 20 years ago, we had Second Life, and it felt every bit as good or not as good as is what we have as an option today. When I, I, you're bringing me around to believing like it's just the early days and that's the cool time because that's when the nerds hang out and figure out what's possible. But do we have a sense of what would make the, the experience better? Or, or maybe part of what I'm hearing is like there are already good experiences happening. I just don't know where to look because I'm like the old fuddy-duddy. Mm, I don't know. First of all, I also think that your um, critique of this space is actually really important and really not just you but everyone who who doesn't love it. I actually think it's really important because it's going to make someone like you think about ways that it would be, ah, well, this is shit because I would like it this way. And like, that is something that can also spark a lot of creativity and like innovation. So I like seeing people push back because I think it does like foster more innovation. But to your point of like, is there stuff out there already that I'm just missing? I'm sure there's stuff out there that you're missing. But do I think that it's like, where I would love it to be? No. And like, here's a good example. Do you know Robin Schmidt? Do you know Supermassive? Of course. Okay. So you should check out Supermassive. Um, he, he's a good friend. He's awesome. He is bizarre. He's a, a fantastic filmmaker. He's brilliant like, too. He's, he's so cool. You need yeah. to check him out. And he, um, is starting, I don't know how much of his own venture he shared yet, so maybe I'll reserve some stuff for himself. But, like, he is going to be a fucking, like, really cool character and personality in the metaverse. And what I think right now what we don't have is we don't have a lot of that. We have people, like, that are talking about it and riding the wave of it and launching a project saying, we're a metaverse project and getting millions of dollars, but we don't have the content that's, like, born of the metaverse yet. And that's where I think you're going to start seeing things that are a lot more exciting. Um, So I just, I really just don't think we're there yet. And for me, it's just, like, virtual spaces, in my opinion, have so far to go Um, like so so far to go and we're like a very small sliver and people have been focusing on that for a long time but there's going to be things that you didn't even think of that are just not here yet that hopefully we'll start to see pop up as we go yeah no i love that i guess to to sort of wind up the the metaverse conversation i feel like we're actually agreeing and this used to happen with nfts in the early days too we're both saying it's still early and it's not the experience that we want yet. Uh, but the difference is you're saying, isn't it awesome? Because now we can build it, right? And I'm saying like, oh, it's no good. It's never going to be any good. And I remember people telling me that about NFTs. They're like, there are so many problems with NFTs. And I'm like, I know, isn't it great? Like, these are things that we can like dig into and solve, you know? I mean, even still, onboarding anybody now, I think, in into any part of what's happening here is still a, a it's a labor of, of love, you know. Um, it, it's not it's not a fun process by any means, and I think that like that's also something when we talk about the metaverse that I think a lot of us are looking forward to, just like a, yeah. a easier, more seamless UI experience. Yeah, because um, exactly. right now, I mean, really, NFTs have saw like. I'll I'll put away art for a moment, but other NFTs have solved like the the issue or the the really interesting thing of like digital property rights and, and true ownership, right? So like we have that, we have this foundation that we're gonna plug in for for the metaverse, which is amazing. 
but we like don't have a lot of everything else. So yes, so Jason, I guess my challenge to you is like, that's our job to build it the way that we want it to be. And we're already doing that a lot with ourselves and cyber brokers and mechs and all these things we're launching is to build them. There's there's not even, to, to shed light on this, there's not even a standard right now for 3D assets. There's not a standard where the asset could be used in all of these different worlds. We literally had to go talk to all these different places and say, what works for your world and how could we possibly do the thing that we think is going to be closest to the standard once that's, once that's decided? But it's not even decided yet, if that helps, like like illustrate how how early, how it, early is. it is no it totally yeah. does and i know we, we might jump to the next segment here in a second but but there's no easy way to squeeze this in but i have to say it because uh because it's important and my mom will appreciate it if she listens so you know uh when i was on your show last time i had been talking about like uh nfts and you know blockchain forever and my mom who like you know saw me go through art school and stuff was like have I, have you like lost your way? Like you're not talking about art anymore. You're not making art. You're like That's crypto cool. seems like it's about money and currency or whatever. And then she listened to our interview and she was like, money, that money, was money. such a great interview because it was so clear that Josie is just like passionate about making and about other people making art. Like it's it was back with, for the first time in like two years. It's back to like making art and like about so and I think that comes through when you were talking about uh, earlier, you were saying how excited you were to see other people using like, you know, uh, text to image and things like that. And I think not just your passion for your own art, but your passion for other people's creativity is awesome. So I, I wanted to throw Thank that you. in be- because my mom like thought I had lost my way and like was because of you. Yeah. Josie, yeah. She, art Gnome has been invited that back means to Thanksgiving so much dinner. To me. <laughs> That yeah. that really means a lot to me. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Huh. Let, offline, because you probably don't want to stay down here. I, I'd love to know your mom's name, but you could tell me later. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, Bonnie's Bonnie's uh, crafting away. Bonnie, she's okay. an artist, and, like, you know, there's a whole conversation about art and craft. I think they're the same, but she's she's a rad artist, too. So, yeah. Cool. Bonnie's a I fan. I'd love to check her out, check yeah. her work out. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> I think uh, I think we, we got Stella chiming in right now. You know what that means, Art Gnome? You know what the sound effect means? Uh, yeah, I think I've, I've missed my cue here a couple of times, but I believe <laughs> that that means it's time for the random 22 questions, 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 questions. So this segment... First. Oh, go ahead, Dan. First, go ahead. Though, yep. We got a pre-roll. Oh, we got a pre-roll. I thought we were going straight to the question. Let's let's hit the pre-roll. Are your NFTs built to last? Sadly, the truth is probably not. About 40% of NFTs store the images and the artwork and the metadata all off-chain on private servers owned by the marketplaces. So when the marketplaces go under, poof, there goes the value of your NFT. And less than 10% of NFTs actually store all the files on-chain, and that's because it's really, really expensive. That leaves 50% of NFTs which use IPFS. The great news is, for your IPFS NFTs, as long as you create a local backup, you can always restore your NFTs in the future. Go to clubnft.com and create a free backup today. Dank, 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 all right, dank, dank. all 
So now we move into a segment called 22 Random Questions. So, Josie, the purpose of this segment is to try to get to understand our guests a little bit better as humans. As we were talking about before, a lot of times people get asked sort of the same questions over and over again, and we listen to these podcasts and interviews, and we kind of get the same answers. And sometimes it feels like... (laughs) Sometimes it feels like these artists aren't really people. They're just like these amazing overachievers who just make art and like become famous and that's all they do. So we've got sort of a a random list of questions here that we're going to give you in in sort of rapid fire uh, sequence. I don't know, Dan, do we want to alternate? Maybe I'll start with the first question and kick it over to you and back and forth. I think that's that's how we should run it. You you can start with the first one. Um, That's good. Josie Bellini, are are you ready for 22 questions? I don't know. I hope so. I put people on the spot on Behind the Art and ask them rapid fire questions like this, so now I'm nervous to have the tables turned, but let's do it. Yeah, and there, there are a lot. We've got 22, but you can always pass. So if a question yeah. is uh, you don't have a great answer yet, we can come back to it. You know, um, no right or wrong answers. We're just trying to get to know uh, to, to know Josie, starting with an easy one. This is a softball. What did you eat for breakfast? A banana. That was it. Just Describe the state of your bed right now. Um, a mess with two cats sleeping on it, I'm sure. Pencil or pen? Preferred brand. Oh, pen and... What brand is my pen? I have to get back on the brand. But it's black ink, and it, like, shows the ink in, like, the clear middle and has a click top. Mm. I'll have to Like one of the Uniball ones. Yeah, it might be. I have to look. How old were you Bank. were when you were first? When, how old were you when you received your first computer? Oh, um, I convinced my mom when I was between maybe like eight. I convinced her. There was a girl down the street that I was friends with, and they were moving to Florida, and they had a computer in their house, and they weren't taking it with them, and I begged and begged and begged and convinced my mom that we needed this computer. I think there was like solitaire and something on it. Um, and we got it. Nice solitaire. So I remember solitaire and, and minesweeper. Yeah. Oh yes. Minesweeper. Minesweeper. Okay, I totally forgot about that. Yes. Yes. Uh, who do you most admire? I mean, the first person who came to my mind, which this might be a cop out answer. I'll think of a better one. Um, is my husband. I really, he's such a, um, I know it sounds so cheesy. It's also our anniversary. So maybe I'm being a little cheesy today. Um, Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. He is, um, he's, he's not only such an entrepreneur and like always thinking and wanting himself to be better and like do the best thing he can he's really like that with everyone around him as well and it's super inspiring to me he wants his friends and everyone around him to be the best versions of themselves and if he can get help them get there he does that so i really admire him for that and and for folks if you're comfortable for folks that don't know your husband's also in the space and he is Andrew Steinwald. He he has a, um, I introduced him to NFTs. He has a, the first, he started the first NFT fund and he does a ton of things. He has Zima Red, Spermion. He does a ton of things. He's awesome. 
Y'all are a crypto family at heart. Yes. We have a cat named Crypto, so yeah. <laughs> Foosball, air hockey, mini golf, or ping pong? Ooh, air hockey. I'm an air hockey guy too, actually, but I get extraordinarily competitive when I play it as if I should be better than I am. I don't know if I've played any of those a tremendous amount, but if I had to pick one, I think that's the most fun in my opinion. I always get worried I'm going to get hit in the glasses with a puck, so it's Ooh, a ner- nerd's yeah. dilemma. <laughs> yeah. uh, preferred pizza topping and least preferred pizza topping. Ooh, okay. Least preferred, I mean, I'm not a pineapple guy. Mm. I, do, I just can't get behind it. I don't hate on people for doing it, just not my vibe. Um, or chicken is weird to me on pizza, like barbecue chicken, like no. Um, the favorite, I love a pizza with like, the works, like the supreme, like sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, onion, and green peppers. Like all of that combined. So the works minus chicken and pineapple. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Who in the world would you want to meet but haven't met yet? Oh, um, wow. That's a good question. Um, who in the world would I want to meet and haven't met yet? Can I come back to that one? Because I want a good answer for that one. We'll come back. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Josie, can you share one one vice that you'll openly admit to? Um, yeah, I'm honestly like I'm addicted to YouTube. I watch a, an obscene amount. I have YouTube playing in the background while I work. I watch it at night. I I am addicted to YouTube for sure. What's an often overlooked aspect of your personality? Um. You know, everyone thinks I'm, I, I, and I love this, by the way, everyone thinks I'm the nicest person ever. And like, so, which I think I'm pretty nice, but like, also I feel sometimes I have to hide a little bit of my humor because it can be, um, a little dark or fucked up. So, so I have to hide that a little bit. So I, I'll say, I don't know if overlooked is the right word, but, um, people don't know necessarily a lot about my humor. See, Mom, Josie's not as nice as you thought. <laughs> Don't call so, me that. So your favorite era of art. Oh, God. Um, this is also going to be a crappy answer, but honestly. What is art and why is it art? Why? <laughs> um, honestly, I just have to say that just... In general, like, the genre of street art, I know it's a little bit of a cop-out, but, like, it is so important to me. It's what I collect in my home. Like, it's what, it's it fills my walls. Like, that is, that is, I have to say that's my favorite or else I would be lying. If I could change one thing about my IRL neighborhood, it would be? Um, the safety right now. It's getting a little tough around where I live and people getting broken into and cars getting jacked and all that. I'd change the safety for sure. Especially with a kiddo. You and yeah. I both are sort of dealing with that in cities right now, what it means to like have a, a, a kid in a major metropolitan Yeah, area. I mean, when my Darling husband bank. leaves the car, I literally, and I'm still in the car with my son, I go into the back seat and I unbuckle him out of his car seat just in case if someone's going to come steal our car, like take the car, let me just take my baby. So I, I have to, we have to be super conscious of that with all the crazy stuff going on right now. Another thing about the metaverse art. No, no one can steal the art off the walls. (laughs) 
I mean, if you guys just come and live yes, with me in the too. woods out here in Sasquatch land, you'll be uh, you'll be plenty safe. Uh, oh yeah, rural areas of America are definitely much better. Yeah, I, we don't have time to get into it, but for I took my dog for the first time for a walk yesterday and saw a bunch of orange hats in the woods, and I'm like, oh, what's that? And then I saw the rifles, and I was like, oh, it's hunting season. <laughs> like that's a that's it's just scary to see grown men walking around the woods with guns. But yeah, it's a it's it's a probably a larger topic. <laughs> yeah, that is scary. So we'll jump from that, obviously, into the question, what is your favorite operating system? My favorite operating system? What, what does that mean? Like, am I a Mac or an Android user? What this is I mean? Dan's question. I'll throw Dan under the under the bus. Oh, sorry. I no, that, that, that's actually a pretty good answer. I feel like there, there are people who are, like, all about Windows 95, you know? Oh, um, maybe I'm just too young. I don't know. I Or maybe I got computers late in life. I mean, you were playing Minesweeper, so, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, I was also, like, mm-hmm. th- like, that's pretty much all I could do, that and solitaire and paint. So, like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't care. I'm a, I'm a Mac user. If that, it's not really an answer, but. No, that's a perfect answer, actually. <laughs> what, what was, what's the first website that you remember? First, well, okay, this is not the first website, website I remember, but I used this a lot as a kid and big fan. Neopets was fucking awesome. Um, so obviously it wasn't the Neopets, first, but yes. that was like, I was really obsessed with Neopets. Yeah. Wow, I haven't thought about Neopets in ages. Yeah, that was really fun. Is that like Gigapets? Sorry, just for the old people. You don't know Neopets? No, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> there, there's there's a growing gap what between the two of you. What year did Neopets come out? Neopets. <laughs> I feel like it was late 90s. Uh, yeah, 1999. 1999, so you I were, was in, you were in college. You were that old and... Too old for a oh, Neopet, okay. apparently. Yeah, I've got homework to do on a Neopet. I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you know? Let's see what year did. I mean, my Wanna sister played hit? Club Penguin a lot. That must have come out a lot later, right? Oh, yeah, 2005. Anyways. Stella, well, Stella just answered the question of what I was doing in 1999. Yeah, so I don't Hopefully mom isn't listening. Uh, so uh, if you could live anywhere physically, you would live in? Um, you know, I really, for right now, I really want to try out New York. I know, Jason, you're probably rolling your eyes because you that's probably the last place you would go. But I really do want to try out New York. I am nodding. Come, oh, yeah, come our way, Bellini. Come our way, Andrew Steinwald. Like, yeah. come hang with us. You're crazy safe, island. Safer in the woods, just saying. The woods <laughs> scare me, though. See, I grew up in a city, so, like, I, I've, I've dog sat for some people in college with, like, and they have, like, a lot of, like, land in the area that I went to school, and they have all these big windows, and at night they had, they had these tiny little shit dogs like sorry I I like little dogs too but like these tiny shit dogs right and so these dogs are yapping at the huge glass windows that I can't cover with shades because there's no shades they're yapping out the window and it's pitch black outside so you can't see out but people could see in so they're barking and making and I it felt like someone was right outside the house and I couldn't see them it was the scariest thing scariest thing of my life and like I literally had to like go into the basement and like cover the windows and just put on TV to keep myself sane because I was so scared. So like the woods, the, <gasps> the emptiness, like that scares me. 
So Josie is not as nice as you think, as she mentioned. She uh, she hates nature and small dogs, but likes exactly. neopets. And, and, and cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Josie, what's your favorite insect and your least favorite insect? Favorite insect? Um, I, I feel like it depends on what moment in my life. Because you asked, if you asked me when I was young, I'd say a roly-poly. If you asked me like three years ago, I would say ants not in person but to watch on youtube in ant colonies um if you ask me now like really i've been looking weirdly at like some like beetles and like winged insects that i think are pretty beautiful for some inspiration for stuff so it just depends mm. very cool what's your least favorite oh least favorite um least oh Oh, oh my God, the the millipedes and the earwigs, like the gross, or even the silverfish. Those were like in my apartments growing up. Like, you know what I'm talking about? The, is that, what are they called, the silverfish? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't I think, think I know so. those. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, Jason? Like, they're I, I, literally like, they're like teardrop shaped and they're shiny silver and they're, oh, they're creepy. Yeah, they're nasty. Although I think earwig takes the cake for like worst name. Even if an earwig was like a beautiful yeah. butterfly. Just calling it earwig is just kind of like yeah. a nasty, nasty name. Yeah. Earwig. Earwig. Oh, uh, so uh, if you could only jump into the future, time hop into the future, or time hop into the past, pick one. Which would you do? Centuries the future, for sure. The future. Where, where the metaverse is actually useful and fun. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, burn, burn. What's the worst <laughs> job you've ever had, Josie? The worst job I've ever had? Um... To be honest, like, I I wouldn't say it's the worst because I still found good from it. But working in the service industry was really tough. Like, I worked at Starbucks in college and then a restaurant in my town and then a steakhouse downtown. I did a lot of these all at once. And then after when I quit my job in finance to go try to work in crypto, I wanted to take a coding boot camp. So I started serving at another restaurant and like it's it's hard on your body it's hard on your mind it's like it's a really I res, I so so respect everyone in the surface industry because I've worked in retail I've worked in a lot of those sort of like service areas but like the restaurants restaurants are really hard so um least favorite like I just wouldn't want to go back to it but I learned a lot and I respect it entirely good answer what is your favorite or was your favorite uh, animated cartoon series as a child? Okay, so I was not allowed to watch a lot of TV or movies. My mom was actually Jehovah's Witness. And so, like, mm. I wasn't allowed to watch anything that had anything to do with potential magic or, like, I never, which a lot of people, I, that's another thing people don't necessarily know unless, like, I've, I've joked about it in my Discord. I have a really big gap of, like, anything pop culture, like, a huge gap. And I didn't, I didn't watch Lion King until I was in college. I didn't watch Harry Potter until two years ago. You have the Rings. Like, I had never grown up with any of that stuff because I wasn't allowed to. Um, so, which I hated and I resented, but like I couldn't. Uh, and there were like some weird stories behind that. So I didn't actually like watch TV growing up. And if I had to pick something that later I liked once my little sister was watching TV once we were not living with my mom anymore it would probably be like Fairly Odd Parents was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, like those guys. I liked that. I liked and, and SpongeBob, but SpongeBob. like I don't have a big like pl- 
plethora to pick from. So gotta, gotta have right, to ask baby. you as someone who was was raised Mormon. There's a great Mormon shirt out there that says "I can't, I'm Mormon." Doesn't say specifically what because you weren't we weren't allowed to do much either, right? Um, yeah. But I have to ask you. I found party. myself trying to memorize catchphrases from movies I never saw when other people said them, just so I could repeat mm. them to try to fit in. Like, what were your coping mechanisms? To like account for the fact that you had nothing like no knowledge of popular like uh, movies and you TV. got a twenty third question today, Jesse. Oh yeah, um, yeah. you know I, it was really tough because I, it was so like I don't know if you had this as well, but like any the smallest holiday, mother Mother's Day, anything, I had to leave the classroom. Um, I couldn't be there or the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm. Like I couldn't be there, so like. I was so removed and like I hated it so much and I felt like I missed out on so many things that I never really tried to like fake it or like pretend like I could be a part of it because it was something that I was so angry about as a kid that like I and I wasn't I wasn't even allowed to like share in that that I didn't I didn't really do that much Um, but I think that actually later in life it made me more open and curious to ideas that Maybe if I grew up differently, I wouldn't have been. I would have been really closed off to it. But it made me curious about, like, this is a total random topic, but just to show illustrate what I'm talking about, like, it made me curious about sex workers and, like, the legitimacy of their work and how to make that safer and, like, some things that Dang. maybe if I didn't grow up the way that I was, I'd be more closed off to or, like, oh, that's wrong, right? So, like, it, it shaped me more in my later life than younger life, I think. Yeah, I think when you don't have a choice but to be a nerd because you're you're the way you were brought up like isolates you in a visible way, right? It, it makes you more open to new things like say early metaverse or NFTs or the plight of sex yeah. workers, right? Yeah, exactly. I was a, I was a I was a little bit of an angry kid. That's for sure. Like growing up until a certain age. So, yeah. hmm. See, mom, Josie's angry. Yeah. <laughs> Stop telling Bonnie all this. Wow. I love that like we're I love that the the we're getting to the meat of this too, like uh, you know, in, in our in our third act here. But uh Josie, what to bring it back to the to, to our question oh, yes, list, yes, yes. what is what's your favorite time of day to work? Favorite type of day to work? Time of day. Time to of work. day to work. Um so I used to be before I had my son, like like a good all-nighter like I loved like nighttime work I felt like I was if I could have a productive all-nighter I'm like I just added an extra day to my week like I just felt like I had an eight-day week like I can do this two nights in a row maybe three like now that I have my son and he wakes up at (laughs) before the sun comes up um I've done I've I've figured out how to get in a rhythm to really like get really productive and run a company, which is obviously I have to work in specific hours. So it used to be literally in the middle of the night. Now it's early and do like a good strong 12 hour day. And then once I close my computer at like 9 PM, have like three hours to like do anything I want. So now all day, but starting in the morning. So this next one, given all our God and religion talk, it seems like it's fitting that it landed on me. Um, what is your ideal afterlife scenario? Um, maybe for my brain to be uploaded somewhere and be able to live for as long as I would want to in that kind of space. That Into crypto voxels. Maybe not crypto voxels. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd go crazy in there. <laughs> 
<laughs> just everyone partying like around you, like at the whip. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, here I for the party. at some point burn out of the voxels and need something new. But yeah, mm. upload my brain somewhere with the people I love, so they could be. I want them uploaded too. I'll leave the last one for Art Gnome. But coming back to uh, who, who would you like to meet mm. but haven't? Yeah. Okay. Wait. I kind of wanna. Am I allowed to turn the question on you and get inspiration from you guys? I'm curious who you guys want to meet and haven't. Am I not allowed to do that? No, I think it's I fair. mean, you're allowed to do anything. Okay, well then let's do it. Go. I want Stella, Jason, and Dan all um, to answer that. I love it. <laughs> so the only issue is Stella only speaks through sound effects. Oh, um, okay. There, well, there might be there effects. might be a, a a King of England sound effect that that they've got queued up. Um, but <laughs> uh, hello, no one is available to take your call. <laughs> there we <Please>. go. <laughs> For me, it's Ver- it's Vera Molnar, um, who's this like amazing uh, pi- female pioneer of generative art, who's like in her late nineties. Um, yeah, someone the- once got her to like wish me a happy birthday on video, and it's like one of my most like favorite birthday presents ever. She's just like brilliant and creative and awesome and like wise so yeah we've got to get we've got to get you to paris bailey she's still she's at the american hospital in paris yeah i'm sure we'd love to i would love to just give her a hug i think i would just be like too like starstruck Mm. to say anything and uh how do i say i don't speak french and french uh yeah well there's There's an, there's NFT Paris in, in February, maybe. You can I'll be there, way. actually. Yeah, it's my nice. birthday. I'm going to be speaking on my birthday. Are you going to be there, Josie? I'm going to be there. My birthday is also in February, but earlier. Lots of February babies. Uh-huh. Andrews yeah. is also That's in February. That's right, baby. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have like a, a birthday party with Vera Molnar in Paris. I would love that. We're here for the party and... I still, Damn. I don't know if I've come up with a good one yet, to be honest. I, I like Oprah is honestly, I'm just like, my cop out is Oprah. Oh, yeah, I just want to meet Oprah. Um, that's but super that's not, solid. Yeah, but it's not necessarily true. She's, she's not, she's not really at the top of my list uh, for, for any reason. <laughs> Sorry, Oprah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, so, like somewhere, someone a bit more like mm-hmm. literary. I feel like, you know, I, George Orwell seems like a really cool person to have met. Like, uh, Camus, yeah, like the existentialists, I feel like it would have been really cool to, to have hung out with them. Um, but that also seems a bit too... <sighs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough because when I think about this question, there's multiple layers to it. Like, who do I actually think I could hold a like, conversation with that is just not so above my... like. Like, you know Britney what I Spears. mean? That's my answer. Obviously, Ooh. my answer is Britney Spears. Like, okay. it's, it's sitting there in front of my face. Yeah, I, I definitely want to meet Britney. Would love to hang with Britney. Would love to work with Britney. Uh, I think she's she's a, a postmodern genius. Um, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, the question is so hard for me, like I said, because I feel like I'm not smart enough to hold the conversation with a lot of the people that maybe I could like I think would be good answers if that makes sense but I think that if I was like because I'm thinking about it realistically like if I could actually meet this person um, and then I start thinking of like some some business owners that I think would be exciting to talk to to get like real meat out of the conversation but then I'm like is that the reason why I should talk to them? This is so, this is so finance. Many are going through my head. Finance Josie fighting with artist Josie. Finance Josie is like you need to have a practical like takeaway from this conversation. 
You know, this is also when like 20, 22 questions borders on therapy in a way, right? Exactly. Um. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. And then I think about people that are not here anymore that I wish I could have met. And that, like, feels like, I mean, the first two people that came to my mind in that realm, like, I would have loved to meet a lot of money in person. Um, that would have been really, really special. And then also a community member of mine. Sorry, I'm like, yeah, a community member of mine that passed away. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's wild. No, no, it's, it's, you know, like it's, it's strange. Like I've, I've been again, like working with people in the space for the past year and a half. And like, I've been like, I've had the privilege of like sitting in a physical studio, right. At these, at these places all over the world and, and, uh, have this crazy cast of characters come into the door and, and get to meet them one by one and spend, I mean, Bailey, I kept in a chair for, for three and a half hours, you know, but like between an hour and a half to two hours. And it's, 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 interesting and sort of serendipitous that you go there because a lot of money is somebody who just comes up time and time again that I think for one reason or another um, sort of whenever whenever this person's summoned kind of just like reminds everyone in the space of of what it means to be mortal you know uh, and and it it, it 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 always sort of leads there one way or another I feel like when when he yeah. when he's in the room and it's it's a beautiful thing because I feel like not a not a lot of people who who don't know this this space would know sort of how very real these relationships are and and the communities are and and what care really goes into building and maintaining them um, yeah no totally and I have a lot of regret that there was a community member of mine um John that Oh, sorry, this is like totally not what I should be doing on this podcast. But that was trying to meet me in person at um, in New York when I was like really, really pregnant. And it didn't end up, I didn't see their Twitter DM. And later they passed away. And I have a lot of regret for that. Yeah, well, we appreciate, and obviously that's a, um, a, a really um, sad story in, in a lot of ways. But it also shows the very much the human side of you, which I think absolutely is the point of having this podcast in general, right? That you're a real person and a real human who cares a tremendous amount about your community um, and the people that are around you. And that is literally the the only goal of this podcast. So thank you for opening up um, and, and Yeah, sharing. sorry. You guys didn't expect that your first guest would be like freaking crying on the, on the you know the we're film. hitting we're hitting all the notes apparently yeah and you know one. i it just like it went like those are it is it is like even with my comment of i would love to upload my brain to the internet and, and live forever it's something i've thought about for a long time and i would love for that for my loved ones and my family and i think about that for like the community and the people around me like i feel so lucky i have such an incredible life i have a lovely husband a lovely son two cats an amazing nanny like and I feel so, so lucky for that I get to do what I love every day. I get to be around my art, the community that I love every day. Like, I am so incredibly lucky. And I just think about, um, and not that people who have passed away are less lucky or anything like that, but it just makes me, I, I love everyone that I've met, my collectors, like my friends, like they make a real impact on me and like, I feel so connected to people. It feels different when you meet people in person, you know what I mean? Um, and and 
And that feeling for me is just so important. So when I think of someone that I, I wish I would have met or, or could meet, it's really those people that have impacted me virtually in the, in the digital spaces that I wish I could have had that real connection with them in person. Because it does, I've always believed that, that it does feel so different. Um, and that's why, like, I know a lot of people think, oh, why would I ever want NFTs physically? I don't have enough room in my wallet. It should all be digitally. But for me, I still, like, go back to that. Like, oh, it is important to have art on your walls. It is important to meet the people in person. And so that's that's when I really think of, like, who I'd want to meet. It's those people that have made such an impact on me, and I know that I'll never get the chance to meet them. So that's why I sort of went there. So sorry I went there, but I'm glad. I'm, no, no I, it's, Yeah, it's... Those are definitely the people, and and I. What I love though is that a lot of money and John Cremini, the other the 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 community member I'm thinking of, is that um, they're both a part of such made such an impact on so many people that they've touched that like their memory and their lives like really live like well beyond. Um, the time that they had on earth so that that is is super super special and um yeah if i could have met them in person i i I, I would have for sure picked both of them that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to make an executive decision here, Dan, and we're just going to drop that last question because I, I think we squeezed another one in there anyway. And like, yeah, no, that, that is the 22nd answer to the 22nd question for sure. Josie Bellini, like, wow, thank you, thank you for being like so candid and honest and um, and and sharing Always. so much of yourself with us. Um, yeah, I loved this. You guys were great, by the way, all three of you. This was really fun because it felt like just like catching up and chatting. I'm really excited to watch your guys' other um, uh, shows on here too. This is really cool. Thank you. Josie Bellini, ladies and gentlemen, um, keep up with everything that Josie is doing. And, and again, you can find links to all of her stuff on her website at josie.io, J-O-S-I-E dot I-O. Josie Bellini, <laughs> hear this name, remember it. You will see it everywhere soon if you haven't already. Um, she's, she's doing incredible, incredible work. And I encourage anyone who hasn't actually seen it with their eyes, um, definitely go and check it out now. Josie, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We have a lot more uh, for this episode, but, but first, a pre-roll. Hi, it's Benny again. I'm a 13-year-old schoolboy from London, fascinated by the world of cryptocurrencies. Last year, I launched my own NFT project called Weird Wells, and it went viral. As a young person who is growing up in these rapidly changing times, it's extremely important to document the crypto art and digital assets movement, and that's why I'm honoured to be a part of New Hair. New Hair is both a film and an NFT project by Dan Sickles, which aims to capture the stories within the crypto art movement, featuring some of the greatest minds within the space, such as Tyler Hobbs, G-Money, Claire Silver and Snowfrome. There's three ways you can get involved in the project. The first is to head over to their Twitter and give them a follow. The second is to jump into our Discord, where we have an extremely vibrant community. And the last is to meet a newbie entity, which you can do so to support the project. Or at newhere.xyz. 
And we're back. Gather around, children. It's a very special time. It's time for some deep cuts. Deep Cuts is a segment where we ask a friend in the cryptosphere to share a story from their past to tell us something about how this crypto space came into being through their eyes. And this week, we have Robniz. Capital R, capital O, capital B, capital N, capital E, capital S, capital S. One of our greatest artists in the space and one of our best friends at the Dankness and the Cryptosphere, sharing his deep cut. You can learn more about him at Robness Official. That's at R-O-B-N-E-S-S-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Make sure you use all caps for it. He'll appreciate it. Here's Robness. So the story I'm going to share is the infamous Rari drop from Rarible uh, in its early days. And basically, from the very beginning, it was around January, uh, in the beginning of January, where uh, I was booted from Super Rare because I released the trash can, the 64-gallon toter. And at that point, and along with, you know, Max Osiris, we both were kind of, you know, wondering what the heck we were going to do next. And so uh, we both kind of just decided that, like, you know, to use Rarible as uh, as a place to mint. Um, at the time, Rarible was not considered the most or the best of places to mint. It was actually considered, like, a cheap place to mint because everybody was in super rare. So, you know, we just went for it. We just, you know, said, screw it. And uh, so we went over there and we started minting. And um, it was actually pretty cool because, you know, we didn't get asked any questions or you know, uh, we were minting too much and all that, basically a lot of stuff that we were just having trouble with at the time. And, uh, in regards to super rare, it's all water under the bridge, but we had to make a choice. And so we went over there and, um, and we started minting away like crazy. So, uh, we were having a good time. We ran into a lot of new people. Um, basically the people that weren't, um, on super rare at the time, they were looking for other places to mint and like maybe form communities and stuff. So, uh, naturally, found artists like Jay Delay, Second Realm, Lulu XX, Mo, uh, Stella Bell, you name it, and uh, we became like a pretty good family. And um, basically, you know, it was pretty much free form, and we can just make all the artwork that we wanted. We, if we wanted to make memes, we could do that. Um, we had a little bit more, uh, more, more creative freedom. So, uh, so we started just going totally ham on it, and. Um, and you know, made made some great pieces there too. And um, I think the best, the best thing that really happened was when we started making some, you know, some decent work. Um, we managed to, you know, get some collectors to come over. So you know, at the time, um, collectors were a little hesitant to jump platforms. So, for instance, you know, there's some there's some very outspoken, you know, whales and stuff. And they didn't, you know, they they're like, don't go over to the rareable, don't. Uh, you know, don't buy from there. It's cheap. Those are cheap NFTs. And, uh, and, and half the time we were just laughing about it. So, um, but you know, we had some notable collectors come in. So we had, you know, for example, uh, you know, Colborn Bell, we had Moderats, we had some, uh, Token Angels. We had, a, we had a bunch of collectors kind of come in and, and just say, you know, screw it. Like we're going to buy art no matter what. And the cool thing was, is that was a break from collectors being platform, you know, devotees to, 
being, you know, say, you know, to jump the chasm and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this artist no matter where they go. And so, um, so that started happening and, you know, we started making all tons of work. Um, you know, I started making some, uh, like collectible types of artwork. It was called Techno Origami. It was kind of like a, a node or an ode to, uh, origami, uh, style artwork, but it's abstract as well. Um, Max was doing his thing. Second Realm was doing his thing. Jay DeLay was making a bunch of trash art. Um, and, uh, and that was another thing too. You know, the trash art uh, stuff started beginning there as well. So a lot of, you know, a lot of trash can remixes and stuff like that. And if you don't know trash art, uh, it's basically like a, uh, a movement slash meme that started because after my piece got removed, there was an article that was written on Cointelegraph. And, um, and after that point, it just went like wildfire a lot of pieces were getting meet um getting remixed and so forth so but uh but yeah we had our own little family there and uh you know all these artists had their own um artistic objectives as well so they were able to you know just do their own thing but also we were just kind of like kind of a tight-knit family as well and um then it got kind of a you know to a fever pitch so you know in the beginning rarible had this leaderboard on the left of the screen you know uh, if you go to Rarible right now, it's it's totally changed. You know, same with OpenSea. OpenSea has changed as well. A lot of the platforms have gotten bigger, more professional looking, I would say. Um, but during that time, um, you know, the the scoreboard was, I mean, it was myself, it was Max, it was some other artists, and whenever we sold artwork, you know, um, you know, we would have a point score, and so it would show how much ETH we sold. You know, so half the time, like. I think it was Max and I, we were just kind of, you know, Max would be, you know, number one, one week and I'd be number one another week. And we just kind of switch back and forth. And it was almost like a, a friendly competition. Um, and uh, it was, it was a good time. Cause we were just, you know, we were having fun, a lot of fun and um, so much fun that I think a lot of other people wanted to kind of get in the mix. And, and after a while it didn't get so bad. You know, a lot of artists started kind of looking at the platform saying, you know what, it's actually kind of, fundament here so we would see kind of some artists from super rare kind of jump over and kind of test the waters and stuff and uh and you know uh, sometimes we'd laugh too you know we'd say oh you know this artist got over and came over so we, we would see everybody kind of come in you know like right through the front door um and it got to the point you know we started selling pieces pretty frequently so you know for example colborn was buying a lot of pieces and moderats was buying a lot of pieces and um, there was a bunch of other collectors that would sleep, slip in there too and, and, um, and, uh, and get pieces as well. Um, but after a while, we started noticing uh, other artists come in. And the big one actually um, was, uh, was X-Copy and, um, and Frenetic Void and some other artists. And um, that was pretty cool because, you know, um, a lot of people just kind of gave up the ghost. They're like, you know what? This is another great platform. Um, and sometimes you want to work, you want to release work that's like, you know, different from the platform you're used to. Sometimes, like for me, I would like to go to other platforms and maybe release some other work that would fit the aesthetic. So, um, so you know, Rarible, I think, was starting to have its own flavor, you know. And so a lot of artists would kind of come over and just maybe do a piece here and there. But, um, but, the, but the, big, the big change was uh, when, you know... Uh, the Rarible team decided to, you know, drop this Rari token. Now, <clears throat> at the time, um, a lot of people didn't know what decentralized governance was. So this is like the big, this is, I, I consider this like another big bang moment, really. Like, uh, 
decentralized governments, DeFi, all that stuff came from the financial side of Ethereum. You know, like all those tools are, are for DGENs in that, you know, respective field. And so when I heard that, you know, Rarible is going to do a DeFi thing, I was like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. This might be cool. Um, and so I kind of just like hung back a little bit and was watching what was going on. And so, um, you know, after a little bit, they decided that, you know, um, they're going to basically reward everybody that was on the platform. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously the ones that were on the leaderboard would be getting the most of this Rari drop. So, um, so Max and myself and some other people, you know, we're kind of like, oh, well, what's going on here? And um, truth be told, like, I mean, I've been in the Bitcoin space since 2014. So I know what airdrops were, you know, and, and what that kind of entailed. But I didn't know what the value of the Rari token was going to be or how it was going to be deployed or whatever. So, so when it happened, um, we got a lot of tokens. Like uh, myself and Max, we, you know, pretty, we got a pretty, pretty nice sum. And, um, and I, I, it's funny. Like I, I'm, I remember telling Max, I'm like, do you know what we have? And it's like, um, and then after we both kind of like looked at the dollar amount of what the Rari token was compared to what we had, um, of course, we were just kind of like laughing and we probably went to Twitter and, and said, oh my God, look at this, look at all these Rari tokens we got and look at this, the dollar amount. And it was almost kind of like a flex, you know, because at the time we were, and we were kicked off of super rare. It was like, you know, we thought we were dead in the water. So, um, so this was like, almost like getting pulled out of the water and, you know, totally reborn, you know, and, and, um, and it was kind of cool too, because it also, um, showed like another way that like, that artists could like, you know, um, make an income, you know, instead of just selling piece by piece, like this is another avenue of like how an artist could actually, um, generate some, some wealth, um, just by participating in the system. So, <clears throat> um, so basically, you know, we got those Rari tokens and, and after that it was like people were looking at us and they probably were like looking at our wallets and going, what the heck is going on? And then after that happened, all these artists started coming on the Rarible because it, when you sold art pieces, you would also get Rarible token. If you were a collector, if you bought Rarible, or if you bought art pieces on Rarible, you would also get Rarible token. So it was like, it was like a big token fest. A lot of the collectors started coming in. Once they realized that they were getting a bunch of Rari token for all the art that they bought, um, they were all in. Like, Colborn, I think, it's kind of funny. Colborn was buying pieces, and then he started buying a lot more pieces. Um, yeah, and it was cool. And, and, and then it got to the point where, uh, you know, Pac was, uh, Pac was around at the time, and he was, you know, doing, he was making some headway on Super Rare at the time. And it's funny because... Pac, Pac's kind of funny to me. I, I, Pac and I have kind of a funny relationship. I've, I've always, like, you know, thrown jokes at him and stuff. And uh, and it's just like he's like this om, ominous character that's like like an orb in the sky. You know, he's always saying all these, like, quotes and stuff. But um, but he came over to Rarible and he released a bunch of pieces. And, like, he, had, he has, you know, he has a certain amount of collectors that like to, you know, uh, buy his work and stuff. And so auto automatically we saw, like, Pac showed up and all of a sudden he's like number one, right? And uh, and all, and basically everyone was like, "What? Like, why doesn't he just stay on the super rare platform? Like, why does he got to be number one on this platform?" But it's just kind of funny to us, you know. We're like, oh, "Okay, well he's got to be number one everywhere, right?" So, um, so we were seeing that, and then but we had like a lot of like collector activity after that fact, you know. Um, 
And I'd say, you know, after that Rari drop, you know, Rarible um, just jettisoned after that. It was like, just like, you know, going to the moon after that. Um, and basically why I wanted to share this is because, you know, it took, it took a while and maybe a couple of years after the fact that I realized that like, you know, you have the Board Ape Yacht Club, you have all these crazy projects and stuff like that, PFPs, even, you know, um, even crypto artists and stuff, they'll do, you know, token airdrops or whatever, but, um, but it set the stage for a lot of this stuff. And now when I think back, just being a part of that, it was pretty amazing, you know, because when, when the token airdrop happened, you know, a lot, everybody in the space really didn't know what the heck was going on. And meanwhile, like, you know, Max, myself, second realm, Lulu, Mo, Jade Lay were like, oh my God, you know what just happened? And then it's just, it was just kind of funny. It was like almost like an inner, I mean, it was an inside joke. And, uh, and then it just exploded. And then, and then like the super RRS are like, wait, like what's going on here? You know, they'd start to in- investigate. And, um, and then, you know, next thing you know, it's like, uh, known origin, super rare, you know, they did the, you know, super rare did a, did a, did a rare drop known origins been, you know, doing some other things as well. And, um, and obviously, you know, other platforms followed suit. So, um, all this token airdrop stuff really kind of, um, really took flight after the rareable thing happens. So, um, yeah, it was no good times. And I'm trying to think like what else, you know, uh, during that time, I mean, really the leaderboard was kind of funny though, because we, as artists, you know, we kind of hate it. And we also kind of like get suckered into it. But at that time, I guess we were so much like trying to prove our worth after being removed from a, you know, from platforms or whatever that like, that was that was the fire that like kept us going. We're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna use this rareable thing, and then we're gonna like try. We're just gonna try our best to see if any collector wants to jump over and try to buy our work, you know. And um, and you know we got we got lucky, you know. Um, and to be honest, I gotta thank those you know collectors who picked up our work and and the community as well. Like all the other artists too, we're all buying each other's work and stuff like that. And and um, and the more we were active, the more you know, people that were really inquisitive that wanted to know, like, oh, if I want to mint somewhere, where can I mint? And, you know, they naturally flocked to Rarible because they didn't, you know, Rarible didn't care where you came from. It's just like, you can just mint, you know, you don't have to, you know, apply or any of that stuff. So, but, uh, but yeah, those were good times. And, um, and, you know, there was a couple other weird things too. Like we can, we found a way to hack Rarible where we could, we could start our open sea contract stores and stuff and filter, like the NFT in there and list it. See, that was another thing too. So you could either mint on the rareable contract or you can make your own little, like, for example, I'll make like a Robness, like open C contract. I'll mint my artwork there and then I could list it in rareable and still sell it and get Rari tokens. So it was like a bunch of crazy stuff that was going on. But, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's the past now and, you know, rareable is doing a lot of different other things, but, at that time, it was so like just bumping heads and trying to figure out what was going on, and and um, and we just just a lot of experiments, and one of them just really kind of exploded at the time. So um, yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, you know, I mean that that uh, that Rari drop was pretty nice for my bank account. Not gonna lie, you know what I mean. So um, um, it was just it was it was cool because, um, like I said, it was just another way to show like how crypto artists can generate you know i'm not gonna lie a boatload of money but not like focused like you don't have to just sell just the artwork itself there's other ways that you can generate income 
by being a part of the platform, you know? And this was the this was like the first abstract, I think, that like crypto artists in the space like saw and was like, oh, so this is wait, so you can actually you can actually do that too? And and the cool thing is, is like what's gonna happen in the future? Like I don't know what's gonna happen like two years from now, three years from now. The opportunities for crypto artists to make a decent living and also be part of the growth of these platforms is just it's just endless to me. So um, I'm not sure what else can I can I can say, um, but uh, yeah, there's your story, and uh, you know more to come probably. So uh, peace out, it's Robness, love y'all, and uh, yeah, take it away, Art Gnome Dan Sickles. Thanks so much to Robness for sharing that story with us at the Dankness. You can find more about Robness at Robness Official, all caps, at capital R, capital O, capital B, capital N, capital E, capital S, capital S, capital O, capital F, capital F, capital I, capital C, capital I, capital A, capital L. Boom. Oh, very nice. And that's Stella telling us it's time to bring this episode to a close. Thank you to our guests, Josie Bellini and Robness. It's been an honor having you join us on The Dankness. Make sure to check out our work at Josie Bellini and at Robness Official. Love to Stella with the sounds. Can we get maybe a little rap there, Stella? A little beatbox? You can find us on the interwebs at thedankness.xyz, at newhere.xyz, and clubnft.com. You can also catch us on our personal accounts at artnome, that's at A-R-T-N-O-M-E, Mr. Jason Bailey himself, and me, Get it? at Dan Sickles, at Dan underscore Sickles, S-I-C-K-L-E-S. And without further ado, we bid you a dank dank day. Stella, take us out. Oh, oh, episode one. Art known in the house. In the his out. We finished first episode and now it's done. Now we're going to make the second one and have fun. You throw the first line, Dan, and I'll come for the second. No spitting written, only off the dome. Got my nouns coffee and it's hot. <laughs> you said hot. you're not good hot. at rapping and you're not.
Blood and Stella are audiovisual artists collaborating to make waves in the Dinkiverse with their trippy, acid-infused art project called the Dinktones. They have been super busy lately, working around the clock to create some mind-bending image composition, NFT art that's about to turn heads in the community. They're hitting all the retro music store vibes. The podcast cover art includes stickers, holographics, shrink wrap, and even some redacted sound effects. Yes, you heard that right. This wild duo is bringing back physical media vibes in a big way with this release. But it's not just the medium that's impressive, it's the audio-visual art itself. Blood and Stella's art is truly something special, with bright, bold colors and intricate patterns and zany sound effects that will have you feeling like you're tripping on acid. So if you're a fan of NFT art and you're looking for something a little bit different, definitely check out Flood and Stella's The Dank Tones Project. Thanks for your time. Have a dank 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 dank